Trust in the Lord and do good. So we'll dwell in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The wicked borrows and cannot pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Those blessed by the Lord shall possess the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. He is ever giving liberally and lending, and his children become a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so shall you abide forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, he is their refuge in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him.
Thank you. My name is Jim Stewart. I work across the uh, across Mass Ave at First Church in Cambridge. I run a shelter down there. Um, I'm also a, uh, God, it was 1983, Jeez, so long ago, graduate of the Divinity School. Um, today's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Someone approached Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So uh, as a person of faith who happens to be part of a you know, the Christian tradition, um, I always fall back on this as a sort of fundamental, although I'm not a fundamentalist, fundamental um, text to try to explain um, what it means to be a Christian. Because as we sort of try to engage the world and we try to address the various challenges that we meet, it's not always clear what part of the various traditions and the um, streams that inform Christianity, we are supposed to, uh, we are um, best served by claiming or identifying with. And I like this, especially when I'm teaching uh, adult ed or um, uh, a course called Bible 101 that I team teach with some people. And I always come back to this because I think it's very succinct and um, gives us an opportunity to orient ourselves personally because um, as you, you all probably know that um, the person who addresses Jesus or presents this question to him is uh, trying to answer questions that are um, causing him a lot of anxiety, a lot of existential anxiety. So he wants to be reassured for himself about what does he have to do to be sure that he's leading a life that's worthy and that will, uh, uh, he will be held in, seen in favor by the Lord. And uh, it's pretty simple what you need to do. But I also like it because it um, gives us a way to sort of orient ourselves to the other people in our lives and the other situations. How are we supposed to interact with others and how do we address other challenges and problems? And God knows there's sufficient challenges in our local, state, and regional, and national communities that um, are baffling and, and, and uh, frustrating. And we can use all the guidance we can get, right, to address those things. And it uh, has always struck me, and um, I'm, I'm kind of a one-trick pony about this stuff. Um, this um, text helps me understand better how much we, as a community of believers, at least in the tradition that I'm a part of, um, have collapsed in front of an ideology that um, is basically um, a celebration of market forces. And um, I know. Um, it's not easy to point to an alternative. I don't have a ready alternative. I'm not an apocalyptic. I'm not um, suggesting we all um, go form communes in Vermont or Western Massachusetts. But I, I, I don't think it is um, <clears throat> without, it is, it, I believe we should take note of the fact that this is an explicit command about how we are to conduct ourselves with regard to others. And what are we supposed to do about the others? 
Treat them like ourselves. Their concerns should be as much as humanly possible because we're all flawed, right? We're not, none, of us are, are, none of us are Jesus or um, uh, you know, Buddha or Mahatma Gandhi or the Dalai Lama or whatever. We, we don't have some special, we don't have access to some special power. Um, all we can do is try to follow this example, correct? And um, I think there's plenty of ways to see where we could be making a better difference. Um, if you look at what's happening in healthcare, what's happening in healthcare, most of the institutions that are concerned with delivering healthcare are basically trying to organize themselves and conduct themselves on a market basis. They may be um, a not-for-profit, they may not be paying off shareholders, but they're trying to corner market share, correct? I mean, that's, and, and what, what do they do? They try to find ways to offload people who are going to be just consumers of service and just going to need to be kept healthy. Like, who needs that, right? We need, they need to find a way to make some money, right? And if you look what's happening in education, uh, I, I have a degree from the place, so I, you know, I have to tread lightly on this, but it, do any of our institutions like beloved Harvard really conduct themselves now as if they were really an institution of higher learning. Uh, the structure of the organization is really about um, trying to essentially control market share, right? You want to make sure that as many people as possible apply so you can turn a lot of them down, right? And you'd say, oh, we only accept the, you know, what's the acceptance rate at Harvard? You know, it's sing you know, single digits, right? And so it's basically emulating market, right? And if you want to look at housing, I, you know, I, I work at a shelter, so um, it's always close to my heart. Um, back in 1979, the HUD, HUD, uh, housing, uh, housing and Urban Development, excuse me, spent $39 billion with a B dollars to build and sustain affordable housing for poor and working people. And uh, starting in 1980, it's been cut by about 70%. And so that's been ongoing literally for decades. And so um, where are poor and working people supposed to find a place to live if the government doesn't help make that possible, right? Because why does the private sector make housing? Why does the private sector uh, make condominiums? Why does the, con why does the private sector make uh, uh, boutique shopping malls? Because that's where they can make some money. So, and then I have just one more example of my, I run a little long? Run a little long? All right, anyway. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I, I just want to ask that as we go forth today, we think about whether we're going forth as people who are ambassadors of a different way of engaging in the world, or are we accepting and putting on the armor of the gospel, putting on uh, hope, being a witness to the other way of being concerned about people. And the other way of being concerned is to make their concerns the same as our own. You uh, join me in prayer, please. Gracious creator God, fortify us with your spirit and power as we start this day. Edify us with the example of Jesus and send us forth into service and as an example to others.
please join me in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, and the glory forever. forever. Amen. Please stand as you are able and join us in the singing of the voice of God is calling, found on your detached sheet.
now may the peace of God rest, rule, and abide in each of our lives until we meet again in our coming and in our going. Amen. Amen. Amen.